the value in this is that the dog is actually finding ways to solve some problems uh, independent of their owner because that is super super uh, it's a boost for their self-confidence so it's not it's not a thing to kind of replace what you would otherwise do with your dog this is just the same as giving enrichment toys and puzzle toys just touch free Welcome to the Pet Care Report podcast by Pet Summits. Here's your dog training host, Melissa Vieira. Hello and welcome back to the Pet Care Report. While this show typically covers all things dog training, this episode is also going to go a little bit into technology. Today's guest is Hannah. Hannah was an associate professor as well as head of department at the Technical University of Denmark. But then she got dogs and realized that the world needed a better solution for providing mental stimulation, touch-free, and with built-in feedback. Hannah and her team developed a gaming console for dogs that provides both games as well as sound training. Hannah is currently the CEO of Go Doggo. So Hannah, can you tell us a little bit more about sound training? What is that? What initially drew you to it? And why is that important? I would be delighted. Thank you. Uh, well, as you said, our initial um, uh, going into this was to to focus on mental stimulation. But uh, talking to a lot of dog owners, we actually found out that there were also other problems, and one of them is uh, sound and anxiety. Uh, most of us know knows about dogs who are afraid of, for example, fireworks or thunder or the garbage truck, and it's uh, it's super difficult. Uh, to get rid of this fear and also the fear can be contagious so once you're afraid of thunder you may also start to be afraid of fireworks fortunately it is pretty well in principle it's pretty easy to train a dog to to not be afraid of fireworks uh, or thunder or the garbage truck anymore but uh, it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and a lot of treats of course um, but most dogs can actually be improved. I mean, their, their fear can be reduced by helping them both uh, uh, via a method called desensitization, but most oftenly also combined with counter conditioning, where we simply uh, teach the dog to uh, associate the, the the sound with something nice. So that is how, well, we, we came about this because we talked to a lot of dog owners and we realized that this was also a big problem. Yeah, and this is all done in a way that the dogs feel like they're playing a game. So it's actually providing some enrichment and mental stimulation at the same time. So it sounds like the sound training is not entirely separate from the the games. That is that is very true. It is uh, in order for the dog to in wanting to engage in this, it first learns to play the games, some of the at least the basic games of uh, the Godogo. Um and it starts, the, the game starts super, super easy. In the beginning, it's just a lady on the screen saying a certain sound and doing a certain movement, and there's a treat falling out. So all dogs can be part of this uh, game. And of course, the, the game then gradually becomes more difficult because we originally built this uh, uh, platform to to be able to give dogs mental stimulation at different levels and also with a lot of progression. Because the current solutions 
they are usually only one level. Some of the very advanced ones, you know, these small puzzle toys, they can be more than one level, but it's, it's difficult and they have no real feedback built in. So, yeah. Yeah. So how does that feedback work? Walk me through what this looks like. How does the gaming console know that the dog is responding? That is an excellent question because it is actually a pretty complex solution. Um, it, but it, it works very much. The, the fastest way to explain it is that it's like a we with treats. And the way we see what the dog is doing is with cameras. So we have trained some neural networks to understand what the dog is doing. So it's computer vision, as you know, from autonomously driving vehicles. Uh, so the, the, our algorithms can recognize, uh, for example, a sit or a down or a stand. And it's up to the dog to figure out uh, then which cue means what. And a sit may not necessarily be a sit. Uh, it could be a small turn because all it takes for the camera is to see one frame that looks like a sit. And actually, those that are not real sits or downs or stands or whatever, those are my favorite because that shows that the dog is really optimizing and finding his or her own best way to solve the, the challenge. Oh, wow. So is this multiple cameras to see multiple angles of the dog or is this a like a straight on camera? This sounds very complex and interesting. I want to hear a little bit more. It is just two cameras. So there's a small side camera that is just placed maybe in the bookshelf or under a sofa table or something to the side. Uh, and the position of that has to be, if you have a small dog, of course, the side camera has to be closer. If you have a very big dog, of course, it has to be further away. And then we have uh, one front camera in the in the main unit that also contains all the treats. Wow. So the dog gets it right and the treat just comes out or do they get some kind of mark first? How do they know that they got it right? Yeah, that's also a very good question because as all dog owners know it's not so simple to teach a dog something. So so what we do is, uh, first, as I said in the beginning, it starts out super easy. The instructor on the screen, she actually says she does like this. That's the cue for now you will get some kind of challenge. But in the beginning, she just says, doggo, and then there's a treat. And the dog will, of course, go and have the treat. And that's the, the very first level. The second level, the treat will only fall out if the dog is in the game zone. So if, if one of the cameras sees the dog. Oh, okay. And then in the, the third level, the dog actually has to look up into the front camera in order to release the treat. And, and that is also super easy for most dogs because they will often look right, you know, where the treat falls out. But a few dogs, they actually look at the floor because that's where the treats end up. And then, of course, it's also logical to look at the floor. So they, they actually already have to learn something in level three. And, uh, and we do, we teach the dog every, every time there's a new activity, the dog can either wait or it can find out gradually what it is that we expect of the dog. But, but first she will say, go. and then she will wait 15 seconds. Then she will actually repeat, Go. But the, if the dog still looks down, nothing else will happen. Uh, but then we wait first 30 seconds. And if the dog still doesn't look up, she will say, go, and a, re a treat will be released. So it's fun. But these 30 seconds is then gradually increased stepwise until it's actually three minutes. And that's a long time to wait. But it's still, it's just a waiting game. And the dog can maybe play that one or two days. 
I don't think it's more than that because at some time, at some point, the dog will either it will turn or it will it will by chance just look up, and as soon as the front camera sees the dog face, it'll say, and now it's the uh, interesting part. It'll say, ding, and then the instructor says good boy or good girl and that treat will fall and then after doing that a couple of times of course the dog learns oh if i just look up when she says this sound then i get the reward faster i don't have to wait yeah so super neat this is a very well thought out process because you're not just expecting the dog to know how to stand in front of the tv as soon as you leave the house you know and let your dog play this game by themselves these steps are very well thought out so teaching the dog where to be like if your tv is in the living room let's go ahead and hang out in front of the tv and then looking up at the camera as the next step super cool So how does the actual sound training incorporate into that? So these are some obedience positions like sit or down, and then you start to add in the sound training if that is something that the dog is working on as well? Uh, Yeah. Once the dog has learned to do all the games, where the most advanced one we have right now, uh, the dog has to do two uh, positions for one treat. Um, but I would like to stress before I move on to the sound training that uh, it's actually, um, it's, I mean, this part of the dog being alone, it's, it's okay also to be with your dog while it's doing it. Uh, but the reason, and I mean, the value in this is that the dog is actually f- finding ways to solve some problems uh, independent of their owner, because that is super, super, uh, it's a boost for their self-confidence. So it's not, it's not a thing to kind of replace what you would otherwise do with your dog. This is just the same as giving enrichment toys and puzzle toys, just touch free. So, but of course you can use it. It is safe to use when you're home alone because there's nothing the dog has to touch. So yeah. I just wanted to add that. But then the sound training, it starts uh, once the dog knows, okay, if I do something in front of the TV, it usually will have to at least make it until level four where it has to sit. Many dogs will, will learn that very fast also because if they f- sense that someone is expecting something of me, it's probably a sit. It's usually a sit. I'll sit. <laughs> so if they just at least make it to level four. They can start on the sound training already because the, the very, very neat thing about our program is that the dog is actually in charge of the first five levels of the six levels. The dog will be the one turning on the sound by him or herself. And that is, uh, that is on purpose because we want to be sure that the dog is not scared. It's very important not to move too fast when you do this. Uh, and, and therefore it's, it's, it's very good that the dog is the one turning on the sound. So um, actually us as dog owners, we think we know when our dog is scared or not. And we probably do uh, a lot, a, a, you know, a lot, but not necessarily always according to the, the experts. It is pretty hard to see because, yeah, it's not always obvious that they are afraid. So this is where I think tech can also help us a lot because if the dog is the one turning on the sound, we are pretty sure. And also if you sit down, you are probably not scared. So they, they learn to turn on the sound first in level one with the very not dangerous sounds of fireworks. So the first category is called pop and bang. So at a very low level and very, very short. So it's just like first and then when it sits down and then a treat. And then um, 
we gradually turn up the volume, very, very small steps, but until it's still pretty low. But then they know the first category of firework sounds, which is it's, it's a random uh, sound, but within that type. So they know this at a low volume. And then we move to level two, where we have uh, wheeze and whooshes, which is the next category of fireworks. And then they, they learn that uh, also extremely low in the beginning and then gradually builds up. And we even put some of the original pop and bang sounds into this so that they, in the end, do they, they are pretty good at both these uh, sound types uh, at still a low level. And then level four, I mean, level three is the third category, which is called kaboom. And as you can hear, the, the worst category. So, but again, very, very low. And with some of the other ones, the pop and bang and the we and whoosh built into some of it. So they go all the way to still low. So at the end of level three, the dog will be pretty okay with all the different fireworks categories at a low level. And then we move to level uh, four, where we have uh, the level called mix, where we, as you can hear, it's a mixture of all the different uh, fireworks sounds. And we start at this low level. Well, we start at this level. So we start here <laughs> and then we move to a little higher level, but where, where it's a other, you know, it's a mixture every time. Uh, also on top of each other, like a real uh, fireworks display. And then all the way to like medium. And then we move to level uh, five, which is called intense. And it's still a mixture, but it's longer and we start at a higher volume. So, and then we build to the normal TV sound vo volume. So in the end of level five, the dog will be able to tolerate real fireworks sounds uh, for some seconds and get it. Yeah. And then at this point, until here, it has been the one turning on the sounds. So now we have to, we assume that the dog actually wants the sounds now because it has been turning it on all the time. So now it has to also learn to be a little surprised. So level six is called surprise. And here the owner will, you know, put in four or five times uh, during the day where the, the Godogo just will turn on and uh, make some mixed uh, normal volume TV sound uh, fireworks. And then the dog will go to the TV and play a few, a few rounds and then it'll just turn off again. And then at some random time later that day, it will turn on again. And, and then we, at, after level six, six, the dog will actually welcome the sound of fireworks at a normal uh, TV volume. Uh, so then the dog owner has to go back to level five and crank up the volume a little, only a little, and then do level five and then do level six again at that level. And then crank up the volume gradually until the dog will actually be able to take, you know, actually welcome a loud uh, fireworks sounds, sound. And then, of course, we only taught the dog to, to tolerate or actually even like the sound of fireworks from the TV, which is, of course, not the same as uh, on New Year's Eve or 4th of July. Uh, so then the owner has to to train towards that day also, because then before that day, usually there are some people who, you know, light up some fireworks uh, and then they have to be ready with the treats and give the treats right after those real fireworks. Uh, and of course, a lot of treats during uh, the event. And we also um, advise that you, of course, you stay at home and you draw the curtains and you mask with music and yeah, and then lots of treats. So that is that's that's it. Now I have explained it. Yeah. So that level six, it it does start to become random. So it's not always just the dog walking over and 
Okay, great. So I think that is a really important concept because one drawback as <laughs> as human trainers, it is hard to be random. When I'm trying to create random reinforcement schedules for my dog's training, you have to really like think about it or use an app to randomize yourself where the computer algorithm can do that for, for you. So that's really cool. And I think that's a really important concept to get to that level six as well. I think so too. Yeah. And I know earlier you and I, before the show, were talking a little bit about the research behind sound training and we don't have to go into those specifics that would make this episode really long, but you did do a lot of research and studied a lot of um, studies on this. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about, did you have any specific inspiration or was this just kind of a collection of data and information that inspired you to put this together? Yeah, we did have uh, some very specific uh, inspiration. Our our um, chief happiness officer, <clears throat> a dog called Falka, uh, the dog of our uh, chief marketing officer, she is super afraid of fireworks. Uh, she and unfortunately, she lives very close to uh, the Danish um, amusement park Tivoli, and uh, every Saturday at twelve o'clock they have a lot of fireworks. So she's she's you know hiding and very very scared. Um, so that she was our original inspiration. And then, of course, we, we saw and, and researched and we, we realized that this is actually a huge problem for so many, many dog owners. And then we talked to experts and we understood that the, the way to train this is possible, but that it is, it's extremely demanding of the, the dog owner. So even the, the most conscientious dog owner who really starts this wanting to solve it, they have a hard time actually following through. Uh, the scientists that we work with at the technical, no, at the University of Copenhagen, uh, they had a program that ran over an entire year. And the main problem was that the dog owners, they, for some reason, they didn't get to train enough. Uh, so that is just super bad of course and they they don't they really want to but it's it's hard when you have a busy day and also because the problem is not it's not really relevant until you you know you have the fireworks outside so you you kind of forget it's a human thing I think that's a key point as well. Like we're not thinking about this until the weeks leading up to those big holidays. And it's hard to think about when you're in a, you know, you're in winter season, last thing on your mind is fireworks. But if you have a gaming consult that is helping you program this and you're walking by it every day and all you have to do is turn it on and just let your dog be present with that. I think that's a really neat tool. Yeah. And unfortunately, the dogs also think it's fun. I mean, it is just a game for them. Yeah. So they will ask you to turn it on. <laughs> I, in the background, I have a Godogo sitting there. It's very often that at least one of my dogs is really good at, then he goes there and then he looks at the Godogo and then he looks at me. So I don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any specific treats that go in the console or um, can you use any treats of a particular size? Well, the size, of course, they can't be too big because we only have room for 20 uh, treats, but you can in principle use whatever fits. Uh, we have designed it so that you can you can take out the, the treat containing carousel and wash it. So you can you can actually use pretty greasy t- treats if that is what you need. Some dogs are a little picky and will only work for the best. Uh, so that is on purpose. We have tried to do that on purpose. 
And when using treats that are of a particular size, one thing that I find helpful if dogs are like if they have to eat their kibble because they're on a special diet and they can't have a lot of so-called treats or if they're just really picky, sometimes just enhancing those treats with a little bit of meat or a little bit of crumbled liver can really help as well. So it's good to hear that it is washable. (laughs) That makes it a lot easier to enhance that, that food or those treats and make it more interesting and change it up each time. Now, is the number 20, is that for a specific reason? Are there 20 traits because you find that that is an optimal number of repetitions within a session? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. For an average dog, 20 treats is is plenty. Uh, actually, my, my, well, at least one of my dogs, he gets tired after just 10. But of course, it's also because he's at the level where he's doing more than one position for one treat. Uh, I have also, so of course, there are some dogs that are extreme. Uh, we did have a dog that was, you know, that needed three rounds kind of every time. So it, it is, there's a huge variation. But just getting 20 is really, it's really good. And you can, of course, you can fill it up again if you want to. You can also, yeah, you can give, you can serve dinner in the Godogo if needed. Yeah, that's kind of where my mind was going. Like, why not serve your dog's dinner in in the go-do-go while you're cooking your own dinner? (laughs) Kind of use that time to give your dog the enrichment and training while you have to do something else. That is actually a lot of our customers do exactly that. So they put, for example, they're cooking or if they're putting the, the children to sleep or if they have to go to the basement to do the laundry, then they just give their dog, you know, a go-do-go session with some of their kibble. And you said typically a few times a week is when these sessions should be done. I think you said not every day, maybe just a few times a week, or or is it okay to do every day? Yeah, you can do it every day. I think that is good. But just a couple of times, two or three times a week, uh, like maybe one or two months before you really need the you know the final exam with the real fireworks. Gotcha. That- so you can do every day, but. it's beneficial even if you only are able to do it two or three times a week. Definitely. Okay, great. So you have a few tester dogs. I know you told us about one who really helped to inspire this sound training. Do you have any tester dogs that you want to share a little bit about? Well, yeah, maybe we have one of the very, very early ones, uh, Kida. Uh, Her mom uh, is uh, studying to become a doctor. And I know that uh, Kida, she's very much enjoying to work for uh, treats and uh, when when uh, her mom Babette is uh, having to st- I mean when she has to study for the exam she needs the godogo and there was this one uh, exam period where Babette uh, Kita's mom uh, she did a terrible thing she uh, machine washed uh, the the carousel and that was back oh. when we were 3D printed plastic we are no longer 3D printed plastic but the, the carousel came out of the dishwasher looking like, you know, a piece of art because it was totally melted and it could, not, it could not fit in. And she was panicking. So she called me and said, oh, no, I can't study for my exam now. My exam. <laughs> so we, just, we very quickly sent her a new one and then everything was good. Oh, good. <laughs> well, you can tell how much Kita must love the game if if it was that urgent, like that, that uh little incident was an urgent situation over there. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) 
Do you have any other tips that you want to share for pet owners who might be struggling with dogs that are sound sensitive or dogs that are just having a little bit of difficulty navigating different sounds? What tips can you leave listeners with today? Yeah, well, if if you don't have a Godogo, of course, you should try to do this uh, both desensitization and counter conditioning manually. And I think if your dog is only a little insecure about it, it may be fine and it may be enough. So play a sound at a very low level and then give the treat uh, unless your dog is scared because you don't want to, um, you don't want to reward uh, the fear. So it's very important if, if you play a sound too high so the dog is scared, you shouldn't give the treat. Then you should put it away and, and start again a few days later, maybe where you then just lower the sound even more. Maybe you can't even hear it yourself. And then when the, if the dog is okay, you give the treat. Uh, because in this way, you are sure that you are not uh, teaching the dog, your dog to become more scared. I think that is a, a very, very important tip. And I really like what you said about giving the dogs that control of participation. With the go-dogo, they are able to actually turn on that sound. So maybe if you're not working with a gaming console, you have to figure out a way that your dog can opt in and opt out of that session. I think that's super important and empowering. It should be up to the dogs because this is their fear they're working through. And even if we think we know them, it's it's really hard. You don't You can't mind read anybody human or dog so it's really important to give them that control and that empowerment for sure yeah yeah and that's actually true that uh, reminds me of another trick you can actually teach your dog to be the one that turns it on uh now i don't have anything here but you could i guess you could do like this if you have if you have well first you teach your dog this sound very very low means that you get a treat and then you then you wait so you don't turn it on you just wait for your dog to do something and the dog would want you to do the sound again because then they will, he will get a treat, right? Or she will get a treat. So maybe some dogs will say, or some dogs will, you know, come with a paw and touch you and another dog may sit or something. But, but then as soon as the, the dog is doing this, you will give the dog uh, the sound and then the treat so that your dog is actually asking you to turn it on and then you can gradually increase the volume. Oh, wow. That's a really neat idea. So it gives them a very clear communication tool um, so that we don't have to try to guess. So that that's really neat. Now, tell us where to find you. So where is the best place to follow GoDogo? I'm sure you have more innovations coming soon in addition to the sound training. So I really want our listeners to be able to follow that and support your work and check out the GoDogo. They can find us on the website. I think that's the easiest place, at least. Also, write to us in the chat or maybe send us an email. And the website is called uh, go-dogo, with only one G, dot com. Uh, but also, you can find us on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and, I don't know, every Pinterest. We are everywhere. Just search, search for mental stimulation. Then I think you'll find us. <laughs> well, that's perfect. And for our listeners, these links will be right alongside these um, podcast episodes. So you'll be able to find Hannah and find GoDogo and click on those links to follow any updates and follow GoDogo. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Hannah, for being here. This was very interesting information, and I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us and sharing a little bit about those steps and how GoDogo works. I think it's really inspiring for anyone who has a dog that may be sound sensitive that there are solutions out there. So whether you're training yourself at home or you need a little bit of help with a gaming console, there are ways to help your dog navigate these concerns. So thank you again, Hannah, for being here. Pleasure was mine. Thank you. This is the Pet Care Report. If you liked this episode, you can help us reach more pet owners by liking this, subscribing, and following at PetSummits.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. 